Nothing is too hard. At, Except for wire at work. wire harness. Yeah, full body harness is is rough. Did that on KL a couple of times. That that shit sucked. Anyways, we ready? I think so. We gotta get this one in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Four Thirty in the Morning. This is your boy Ben, and Pat is back as well. Fifty nine. Episode number fifty nine. 59. What do you got for 59, Pat? I was thinking about it. I don't know who the 59 is on the Browns right now, but Tank Carter was 59 for a while. Tank Carter. He was a special teamer. Okay. He was around for a while. Like, he played for a little bit. His biggest highlight was the one year they were down 20 nothing to the Titans and they ended up coming back and winning 29-28. It was the largest, at the time, it was the largest road victory in the regular season in history of the NFL. And he blocked a punt for a safety, which ended up being the difference. <laughs> so Good job, Tank. Yeah, Tank Carter is a good player. He was a terrible linebacker, but he could play special teams really well. That's good. You need those guys. Yeah, every once in a while you do. There aren't too many like special team aces anymore. There's a few. But like the Browns used to have a couple of guys where that's all they did was play special teams. Uh, the one guy, Johnson Batamosi, he was one of those guys. And Tank Carter, obviously. These days you get a few here and there. But, like, especially on defense, like, you have to be able to get in. You have to be in on your package. Right. There's not a whole lot of, like, cornerbacks that never actually play. You know what I mean? Right. Anyways, what kind of news you got today? Oh, wait. I'll tell you what. You know what? Before we get into the news, I got a comment. And I don't even know if I should be making this type of comment. But I got to talk about the news for a second. What the hell is going on with CNN? I don't know, man. They're, like, they're like, they're crumbling. How is that? Like, how is CNN even, like... What is their business plan? What what are they trying to do? I don't know. Then they're now they're bringing on Chris Wallace. Really? Did you see that Chris Wallace is quitting Fox and he's and he's moving. He's going to CNN as for a, a new adventure. Oh God! Unquote. See, I don't understand like what their business plan is. Well, I got some shit written down because obviously the Chris Cuomo thing. That that was just he should have been gone a long time ago. But even take his conflict of interest and his shittiness aside. That guy is a ridiculous presenter. He's like a clown. He is. He's, He's like terrible. it's like watching a clown present the news. And his shows were were so stupid. They were so stupid. And he's just a weirdo in and of himself. Like yeah, he I don't is. understand like who who decided to put him on the both, team. Both of them Cuomo's are, man. They're freaking weird. I feel like CNN is run. It's a secretly a right-wing network that is run <laughs> as a caricature of the ridiculousness of the mainstream left-wing media. I don't I feel know, like that's man. what it is anymore. I don't know. I think they're all crazy. Because then you got you got Don Lamont, your favorite guy. Did you, did you see how Don Lamont was sycophantically talking about Chris Cuomo on like one of his last broadcasts? No. He was just explaining how wonderful and amazing of a person and human being Cuomo is. And I he don't know. he was just just salivating at the mouth over Cuomo. I'm like, "What is going on right now?" I just I can't take Don Lamont seriously because yeah, like every time he like does an argument, it's like he's like a high schooler in debate oh, he's club. Terrible, but he's doing what the <laughs> debate coach is telling him not to do. Right, that's what it's like. <laughs> that's what it's like listening to this guy talk. Well, let me ask you this real quick about Donald Mon. This might have to get cut. Do you think Donald Mon and Jussie Smollett ever hooked up? Probably did. <laughs> Don't you think so? Pro- yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if that's gonna get cut or not. I was just thinking about that. I don't that. know. I think I think we should try and break. I think we should. I think we should do some investigating because they they have like an unnaturally close relationship. Now Don Lamont has since come out and actually talked shit about Jussie after the trial ended, but I think that there was something going on there at some point. Probably, and 
he came at him pretty hard after Don Lamont, you know, a year ago or however long ago, was backing Smollett. Smoulet, yeah. Smoulet, Smoulet, whatever the fuck. I don't know. I, don't, I honestly don't know. I don't, I don't, did you say Smoulet? That's how I say it. Smoulet? Yeah, that's what I, I always said. I don't, I don't, know, I, that, I don't no know if that's correct or not. <laughs> I never watched any of those shows. But then you've got, and I mean, Donald Mon, he's a clown. Like, he is just ridiculous. He is, man. I feel like he is like practicing for his hypothetical idea where they're going to make a Barack Obama movie. And I think he thinks he's going to play Barack Obama in the movie. I think that's what he's going for. Oh, my God. That's what I think he's going for. Now, that might have to get cut, too. That's I don't hilarious. care. I'm, that's just, I'm just wound up about CNN. Now, we haven't even gotten to the worst guy yet. Brian Seltzer. Brian Seltzer. Oh, oh, my God. He is the worst, dude. Like, I can't remember that. Remember that book he came out with? No. What was this about? Uh, it came out not that long ago, but... He was, like, trying to pump it up so hard for, like, the opening day, the opening week. I don't even think it has more than 2,000 total sales at this oh point. Oh, my God. It was a complete dumpster fire. No one bought his book, and it was absolutely hilarious. He he went all around doing interviews, like, <laughs> trying to <laughs> trying to market his book, and nobody bought it. I just, I can't rationalize. Somebody actually sat down and was like, we need to hire this guy. We need to put this guy on the TV. <laughs> And somebody else signed off on it. Like who? I don't have know. Have you seen man. any of his content lately? Dude, he's, I don't. I watch him very rarely. I only. I, I no, barely, I don't watch I, him. I, I can't handle him, man. And nobody actually watches him. It's all YouTube clips. It's mostly YouTube clips. Yes. Now he's complaining lately that YouTube is getting more views than his show is, which is a hundred percent true, by the way. There are YouTubers out there that just crush him. Of course. Like they can live stream and they're gonna get. He's YouTube is gonna get ten times the amount of views that his show's gonna 100%. get. Hundred percent. So I was doing a little bit of research on this guy, and I'm trying to come up with a nickname for him. It's either going to be Soft Seltzer, or it's going to be, because you know a hard seltzer? Yes. Or it's going to be White Claw. I like the White Claw. I think we're just going to start calling him White Claw. I like White Claw. He looks like a guy that probably drinks definitely, a lot of White Claw. Definitely. Now, his show is called Reliable Sources, and I guess right now it's only averaging 90,000 views between the ages of 25 and 54, which is the key That's demographic. That's rough. And what's hilarious is back in May, he went on vacation and his replacement host ended up pulling, like, immediately brought the ratings up. <laughs> and then when he came back from vacation, he went on to host his lowest rated show ever. Oh, my God. And his ratings just keep going down. And he keeps getting, terrible. He keeps getting pissed about it. He's like, why are people not watching my show? Like, because you have no content. You have no content. All he does is talk shit about Donald Trump, his entire show. It's, it's all he does all the time. And his stuff doesn't even make any sense. He's just like, why is YouTube getting more views than me? We are an established network, and it's like it's like he doesn't even pretend to be none anything. Of the, none of them pretend anymore. And it's like at one point you had Chris Cuomo, Don Lamont, and Brian Seltzer all in the same building. So Wolf Blitzer, he's yeah. got to be still there. He's an he's an institution is, at this point. Is he is is he CNN or is he, he was MS, CNN for a while? Is he MSNBC now? He was CNN in twenty sixteen. That guy's something else. I don't know if he's still there or not. Now he can't. His, I don't understand. That guy's something else. Well, I mean, his name is Wolf. I guess you don't have a lot of hope if your name is going to be Wolf. True. Anyways, that's my CNN thing. That's hilarious. Yeah, dude, CNN, they're just they're just crumbling at this point. Yeah, it, it really is. Like, I can't figure it out. I feel like it's a joke. I feel like it's intentionally a joke at this point. They're all jokes. Honestly. Anyways, I'm sorry. That's my tangent. No, that was great. Now, what kind of yeah, what kind of news stories you got today? So, first one is really dumb, but I thought this was kind of funny. Idaho Man breaks Guinness Record pushing balloon with face. Pushing balloon with face? Yes. Okay. 
an Idaho man with more than 200 Guinness World Records to his name earned another title by using his face to push a balloon 10 meters in 4.93 seconds. David Rush, who has broken more than 200 Guinness World Records to promote STEM education, said he first tried the balloon pushing record a few years ago, but abandoned the attempts when he found it was difficult to push the balloon more than a few feet without it losing contact with his face. So it turns out that pushing a balloon with the face is deceptively difficult. Rush said in his video of the attempt. Rush said he recently decided to renew his efforts and made multiple failed attempts before managing to make it the entire 10 meters, 32.8 feet, without the balloon losing contact with his face. He officially set the record for 4.93 seconds. 200 Guinness World Records. What is this guy like? What kind of time? What, what, what kind of time does this guy have on, on his, his hands? hands? This My is ridiculous. God. I don't know. I like. I, I guess you could theoretically make a record for anything. Yeah, but. Like, now, this is, you, you, do you get paid for breaking records? Like, no, what is this? I don't know. What is this? The other question, too, is of all the records to break, pushing a balloon with your face. See, that's the thing. It, it's not anything cool. It's just it's just random shit that this guy's coming up with. How did he get the idea, number one? Yeah, where did now, was, did he this? see this? Did he see this? Was he scrolling through lists of Guinness World Records, and he was like, can't do this, can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. God damn it, I can push a balloon with my face, though. <laughs> like, seriously, how did you get weighing on that? I'm, I'm curious what the, the other 200 world records are. I don't think I want to know. I don't want to know what kind of time this guy has on his hands. Like, did, did this guy just, like, start doing this and call Guinness World Records up and be like, hey, I can do this shit. I bet you guys don't have this out here. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, don't, I just don't understand how this comes about. I used to like the Guinness World Records books. The old books? Yeah. When they were actually doing real shit. Yeah. These days, it's anything. Yeah. And then you're, like, manufacturing, like, an attempt the entire time. Yeah, it's dude, like, like, I'll scroll down social media, and it'll be like, someone breaks the Guinness World of scroll. Records, they pick their nose for three days straight. Without... I scroll right past that shit. Yeah, dude, it's ridiculous. Anyways. Go ahead. What you got? This one's dumb as fuck. This one's from clickorlando.com. Okay. Florida man used flamethrower to settle parking dispute, police say. Andre Abrams, age 57, of Gainesville faces three counts of felony aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. A Florida man angry over his neighbor's parking habits sprayed fire from a commercial flamethrower towards a car with three teenagers inside. Jesus. Police said no one was hurt, however. Andre Abrams, 57, of Gainesville, is facing three counts of felony aggravated assault with a deadly weapon without intending to kill, according to court records. He posted a $15,000 bond last week and is awaiting a decision whether prosecutors will formally file criminal charges. The mother of one of the teens, Ashley Ganey, said Abrams frequently sprayed the flamethrower to scare off guests at her home. Ganey's daughter, Natalia Baker, 16, fled the car with her friends as Abrams continued to spray flames towards them, police say. When he shoots it, it lights up the whole road, Ganey said. It's like it's daylight outside. He'll do it in the middle of the night. Now, the article goes on to describe, like, a long-standing feud that this guy has had with these neighbors. And it's ridiculous. It's like, this is just what he does. This is insane. And there this is, is hilarious. Apparently, he's in legal possession of the flamethrower. Yeah, I was gonna ask, like, what are what are the, what what state is this again? This is Florida. Of course, it is. Of course, uh, they probably have open carry flamethrower uh, flamethrower laws. Probably. And then they they were able to get an interview with this guy once he posted bond, and he he insists that he has to do it. That these neighbors are so bad that he has to use the flamethrower. I want to I want to know what these neighbors are doing. I don't know. It was just a ridiculous story. There's a lot more to that one. I got that one on ClickOrlando.com. But a flamethrower. I wonder where he got his flamethrower. I don't know. 
That is hilarious. I could make a flamethrower, but anyways, that's all I got with that that's one. I thought that one was pretty ridiculous. This one's kind of funny. This comes out of NPR, your favorite. Oh, Lord. A broken toilet on SpaceX capsule means astronauts will return to Earth in diapers. Yeah, I saw something about this. This is a little older, December 7th. The journey back to Earth from space is never easy, but the astronauts aboard the SpaceX capsule coming home Monday will have an extra challenge to deal with. No working toilet. Four members of the SpaceX crew, Dragon Endeavor, will be wearing diapers as they splash down in order to prevent anything else from splashing. The crew for this mission, known as Crew 2, has been at the International Space Station since April. They have spent nearly 200 days in space. It's been a very, very intense mission. A lot of things have happened, said the expedition commander and the French, ast- French astronaut Thomas Pesquet in a press conference over the weekend. Over the mission, they conducted a series of spacewalks, installing solar panels to upgrade the station's power grid, grew the first green chili peppers in space, and made tacos, and even hosted a private Russian film crew. Wow. So, let's imagine this is your first time going to space, and you're coming back. Everyone's going to be waiting for your arrival, taking pictures, videos, and you got to come down in a damn diaper. I would quit. I'd say, leave me up there. I would just say, (laughs) fuck it. You got to come up in a diaper. I would hold it. I'd be holding it. I'm not even joking. How long have they I wonder how long they've had the diapers on. I don't know. Where do they dispose of the diapers? Now, this is only when they're coming back, according to that. Yeah, they, I okay. think they've got facilities up there on the space station itself. Okay, uh, yeah, so this is only on the they were, return they were trip. saying the capsule. Yeah, just so. the return trip home. But I don't know how long that trip is, but I'm holding it. At least I think it's like what three days. That's to the moon. It's three days from oh, Earth to the that's moon. That's right. Yeah, it's the moon. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Think, yeah, I don't it's got to be only a few hours from the space yeah. station. Well, they should be able to hold it. I would be holding it for sure. Yeah, I wouldn't There's go no to way. wouldn't go to the extent to put on a damn diaper. And if that was a contingent upon going up in the space, I'm not going. <laughs> Fuck it. I would not go. Yeah, if I got to come down in a diaper looking like a loser, I don't know if I could do that. That would be rough. Yeah. Now, how do they get the diapers up there? Maybe they, they, they take them up as backup. I guess. For this for this very situation. It could be. Elon Musk couldn't come up with anything other than diapers. He couldn't come up with. He I mean, better work on that. That's yeah, probably he's he's got to work on this. That's probably the reason why he hasn't gone to Mars yet. <laughs> <laughs> if you think about it. Probably. He's like, I'm not staging this mission until better facilities <laughs> are in use definitely anyways is that all you got with that one yep all right this next one this one's a little bit in depth this one comes from spokesman.com but i saw this one on a bunch of different places and i'm pretty sure that spokesman.com took this story from a different website the headline reads friendly foul-mouthed crow befriends entire oregon elementary school before state police are called in Oh. Did you hear that? Friendly, foul-mouthed crow. Yeah. A friendly, if somewhat foul-mouthed crow, became a temporary mascot at Allen Dale Elementary School in November when the bird took up residence at the Grants Pass School. This crow showed up at her school just out of the blue one morning, said Naomi Imel, an education assistant at Allendale, over the phone on Thursday. It began looking in the classrooms, Imel said and pecking on doors. At one point, it made its way into a fifth-grade classroom where it helped itself to some snacks, she said. (laughs) Imel said the bird wasn't aggressive at all and seemed to love the kids. It landed on some people's heads, she said, and she added it spoke. The bird could say, what's up, and I'm fine, and quote, a lot of swear words. That's fantastic. It was like a parrot, Imel said. It was the weirdest thing. Still, because it was a wild animal that wouldn't leave, the school called animal control. Are you shitting me? This is where it gets ridiculous. It was quite the production, Imel said. Animal control came out and decided it was not in their jurisdiction to catch the crow. (laughs) 
then a wildlife officer from Oregon State Police came to the scene. That officer was able to feed it from its hand, I almost said. They didn't want to net it because if they missed, it would remember. <laughs> so we got the state police in <laughs> trying to catch this talking crow. According to IMO, all grades came out to witness the attempted capture of the talkative crow. The crow seemed to enjoy the attention, playfully chasing kids around the track, she said. We thought it would fly away, but it didn't, IMO added. The kids were like magnets. Ultimately, the wildlife trooper was unable to capture the crow, who spent the night of November 29th outside the school. <laughs> so it just hung out. It was just like, this is where I'm going to live now, basically. It turns out, talking crows aren't just something out of Edgar Allan Poe poems. And this crow, or possibly more, or possibly and more in line with Poe, Raven, knows at least 40 words. What? I don't understand how the hell that's worded. So the crow knows 40 words. <laughs> Jeez, that's a lot of words. It knows a lot of words, I'm not going to lie, said Daphne Colpron on Thursday. His vocabulary has expanded quite a bit in the last few weeks. Colpron knows a good deal about the crow, or possibly Raven, who may also be female, because her mother rescued the bird about two years ago, when it was a baby, bringing it home to the family's farm in Williams from a shelter and naming it Cosmo. So this family had the crow for two years. So the crow escaped? Basically. The family has dogs including a massive named Tonka Truck, Colpron said. <laughs> Cosmo will say, Tonka, you come outside. Or he'll say, dogs out, she said. So... The crow talks to the dog, or talks about the dog. Never heard of a crow talking. I haven't either. This is ridiculous. Sometimes he does use profanity, Colpron added. Colpron's mom, Janil Shatuk, considers Cosmo part of the family. In the morning, she said, he will go right to my bedroom window and say, Mom, wake up, wake up. There's a daycare in the neighborhood and Cosmo loves kids, Colpron said. As soon as he found out what time the kids got there, she said, he'd go over there and hang out. Shatuk is a rescuer of animals, but Cosmo is extra special to her. She considers him a free bird, but also has a close personal attachment to him. And so, when he disappeared after she came back from an out-of-town Thanksgiving, I was devastated, she said. He's like a person, not a bird. So basically, it just breaks down more about the bird, and it's kind of ridiculous shit, but uh, I guess they're happy to find out that the bird was at the school instead of dad or took he, taken yeah, off completely. 100%. Sure. And I guess he is back home with uh, that Colpron woman now. Okay. Did the crow recognize its rightful owner? Apparently. No, it's not an owner. It's a free bird. It oh, just lives okay. at that house, or it was living at that house for a while. What kind of crow? This is the most ridiculous. I have never, like, I've never heard of anything like this. The only talking crow I can think of is from Dumbo. Or Game of Thrones. Don't the ravens talk a little bit? They talk in the books. The ravens talk in the books. I don't remember that. I, I'm, maybe no, they don't in the you, show. I've only, I've only gotten to season five. Yeah, maybe they don't in the show, but and I guess it took it took I guess these people that had the crow went to the school to finally extract it, and it took forty five minutes of offering sardines to the crow to actually get it out. <laughs> so that's about all I got with that one. Cosmo the crow. That's ridiculous. Going to an I've elementary never school. Heard anything like that? That it, it really is weird. It's probably actually a raven, but you would think yeah. there'd be more ravens doing this type of shit, right? And I mean, you always hear about parrots talking, and some parrots can talk pretty good. Yeah, but. They don't. They can't talk that good. No, not like that. Like that's that that's something special with that bird. Anyways, Cosmo. It's a great name. Cosmo. Great name for a bird. It is. Do you have any more news today? I have one more. Uh -oh. It's quick. I thought this was kind of funny. This is from our favorite odd news. Perfect. Delaware replaces highway sign that misspelled state's name. <laughs> An exit sign on a Delaware highway was replaced after drivers pointed out on social media that it misspelled the name of the state. 
Numerous posts appeared on social media this week when the Delaware Avenue exit sign on northbound Interstate 95 in Wilmington was installed and travelers quickly noticed that it was spelled Delaware Avenue. Delaware? So (laughs) D-E-L-W-A-R-E. W-A-R-E, yes. The Delaware Department of Transportation said subcontractor M.L. Ruberton Construction Company had to make the sign in a hurry because the permanent replacement was not expected to arrive in time for the exits reopening this week. The Kiwit Infrastructure Company, the Department of Transportation's contractor, said the spelling error wasn't noticed until this, after the sign had been installed. So they're telling me you got this big-ass sign. There's, like, how many people are involved putting this sign up? Nobody noticed putting this I, thing up that it was misspelled i don't know I, I find that very hard to believe they probably just put it up because they didn't have anything else to put up yeah <laughs> i mean i would have been like you imagine being the worker you gotta hurry up and put this thing up it opens up tomorrow and it's misspelled you're like son of a bitch there's no backup and they're like well might as well put it up there had to have been like a dozen people involved in this and they either all didn't notice or they didn't care. Or they figured that nobody else would notice. I don't know how they make those signs, but you, can you imagine being the dude making the sign? Gets out of the whatever the hell they make it out of, and you're like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah, there's, <laughs> well, there's not a lot of people in Delaware to begin with. Yeah, definitely. Outside of our, our president, Joe Biden, who walked door-to-door campaigning for Senate when he ran in Senate. He went door-to-door because yeah. of that seat's that small. Yeah. That's the only reason he won in the first place, because right. he had no platform. But... <laughs> Anyways, sorry. Yeah, sorry that, about that. No, you're good. Yeah, I thought that was funny. So are we ready for our main topic yet? Let's do it. What is the main topic today, Ben? We are going to be going through places that are mysterious. Yes, this is definitely going to be your episode if there ever was one that is yours. Mysterious places on Earth. Yep. All over the Earth. All I've, over the Earth. I've got a bunch that are just scattered across everywhere. So. Sweet. Um, this is definitely an interesting topic, and it kind of like it kind of plays into a few of our other episodes a little bit, like the archaeology one. There's one place I almost talked about on the archaeology episode that I was going to talk about on this one. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty deep, like you could get into a lot of these. Like we could do oh, full yeah. episodes on a lot of these places. Definitely, and this is probably a topic that we could even revisit at some point in the future. Right. Maybe if we have like a more defined like a theme. Because I wasn't sure what you were going for. If you're going for like unexplored places or mysterious places. Kind of just both. Anyways, you want to get started with this one? Sure. Have you ever heard of the Island of No Return in Kenya? In Kenya? No. Near Rudolph Lake in Kenya, there's a mysterious island. And it's called, I'm going to jack this up. Because it's it's, uh, Invitinite. Okay. Invitinite. I think that's how you say it. Can you spell that? E-N-V-A-I-T-E-N-E-T. I couldn't even try. <laughs> Invatinet. I think that's how you say that. Which means no return in the native aboriginal language. Okay. So this island, it looks absolutely crazy if you if you look up pictures of it. It just looks it looks like just this big giant mountain with a big ass crater in the middle of it. It looks like it could have been an erupted volcano or something. Sure. Okay. But not sure if that's true. So the island is only a few uh, kilometers wide, and the locals stay away from this island because they believe it to be cursed. Now, apparently people, if, if somebody goes on this island, they never come back. Basically. Really? And this, this island is not that big, and there's no remains of anybody on the island. Okay. From what people could find. Uh, a British explorer back in uh, 1935, and his, I forgot to... I can't believe I forgot to write down his name, but his, I think it was like Foss, F-O-S-S. Okay. I think that's how you said it, say it. Uh, he went on an expedition onto the island with two colleagues, and they were never to be seen again. All three of them? Yes. Wow. When rescuers dispatched planes to locate them, n- n- you know, nobody was ever found. Sure. And the only thing 
that was ever found on the island was an old abandoned uh, aboriginal village and locals say that many years ago the island was inhabited and they relied on like fishing and hunting and they would trade like specialty items with people off island sure with like relatives so like they knew people like off the island sure this wasn't like a uh sentinel island type oh, okay. people like yeah. they weren't so secluded you know see i almost talked about sentinel island me but... too um the, the article i was reading kind of worded shit kind of weird but they said that the the residents of that island they all just disappeared off island one day off island they were just all gone and wow. several men from the village now this was a long time ago apparently but sure. several men uh, uh off island went onto the island to see what the hell like was going on did they vanish off the island were they on the island and they vanished and they found the village just it was everything was still there the houses were intact the fish was still on the fire but everyone wow. everybody was gone so it's like they just up and abandoned the place after something happened and they just left or they just completely vanished and no one since then has lived on the island that's ridiculous nobody inhabits the island nobody goes on there and apparently people that have gone on there don't come back so sure Weird shit goes on there. That's a weird... I gotta look more into that one. I'm happy that you spelled it out so I can go home and listen to that and then figure out what the hell. I gotta do some more research on that one. Yeah. But crazy. it's kind of, kind of funny. They kind of reminded me of... This isn't. This doesn't even really remind me of it, but when you're talking about the translation, there's a place in Russia... Have you ever heard of the Dyatlov Pass incident where the Russian hikers back in the Soviet Union days all died and they were all mangled and everybody thought it was like a Yeti attack or an alien experiment or something like mm. the nine hikers? You didn't hear about that where their bodies were mutilated? Dyatlov Pass? Might have. But there's a there's a mountain or like a like a like a pass in that area that the native Siberians their name for it translated to do not go there. No that shit. was the name of the place was translated to do not go there. That's incra- that's crazy. So that's what it kinda reminded me of. Anyways, my first one. Now this is a ridiculous one. But this isn't a place that you would probably associate with mystery. Even though I think it's a very mysterious place. Now this has been home to a bunch of different phenomena. We're talking paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. We're talking UFO sightings, mm-hmm. and there's even been a couple events that could be cryptozoology, if you really get into it, Okay, depending on who you'd ask. Now, this is a place that I've visited dozens of times, and you've been here as well. Mm. And it's like, it's like I would say it's almost like the Skinwalker Ranch of the Midwest. Do you have Skinwalker Ranch down? Mm-mm. Okay, I thought about doing that one, too. Now, the problem with this place is that most of the events seem to be just witnessed by like one person who keeps reporting this type of shit. Mm-hmm. And this guy, I don't know, he's, he's, oh, he's pretty good. He's just a little bit out there. What is this place called again? Did you mention it, or am I? No, I, haven't, I haven't mentioned. Okay, it. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought you did, and I and I didn't but, catch it. Like I'd say, this guy's probably about as credible as Baker Mayfield when it comes to, like these different events. Sure. Now he seems to be the one seeing everything, but this place is your house. <laughs> My- <laughs> dude, dude. This is so funny because I literally thought about doing my house. Really? This is absolutely hilarious. So you don't have this one now? No, I don't. Now let's think about it for a second. Uh, dude, I am. You've had That's multiple ridiculous. UFO sightings here. Yes, two. Uh, the ghosts, obviously. I've, I've experienced the ghosts myself. You've been talking about the ghosts about since we started the show. Yes. Now, you've lived here for what? 18? No, you've lived here uh, almost two years now. A little over least. two years. Yeah, two years. Okay. Yep. November of 19. So you've had a lot of experiences here. UFOs. You even had the one, uh, the cryptozoology I was thinking about, because you had that one picture of a, of a moth in your backyard. You remember that? Yeah. Like well, the ginormous ass. There's a creature living in my neighbor's yard and my yard. Oh, God. I don't know if it's a raccoon or a possum. I saw it jump out of there. My neighbor has like a 
pile of garbage in like their in their driveway. They've sure. been doing like remodeling work. Sure. And I drove into my driveway Saturday night after work, and my headlights flashed on it, and I saw it fucking jump out of there. Oh my god! And it ran into my yard. I'm like, shit. <laughs> oh, I would lose my shit. I'd be out there with my shotgun. Yeah, I'm dude. not even joking. Yeah, man, it's crazy. It had a big ass tail. I'm like, what in the hell is that? It could have been the uh, Skinwalker. It could have been like this. I don't know what's going on with my house, but there, crazy lot, shit there, goes on. There's a lot on. going on here. Yeah, the moth was ridiculous. The moth was huge. I mean, even your little your uh, your centipede story. I mean, that was a pretty Dude, high level. The centipede. centipedes around here are ridiculous. So there's a lot of today. Uh, when, oh my god! When you pointed, I thought you saw something. <laughs> I thought you were pointing at something that you just saw. Dude, okay. The weirdest thing happened to me in Hudson today. Oh, I was feeding Hudson lunch. Paige wasn't home. I forgot to tell her about this. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, a fly comes out of nowhere, and it is it is continually flying into the ceiling nonstop. It's not landing on the windows. It's not landing on anything. It's just continually going straight up into the ceiling. I've never seen a fly act like this. That could have been anything. Normally, flies just they fly around. Yeah. I've seen it happen before. You've 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 seen that bouncing it just, up. It just continuously is going into the. the now, how long was this going on for? I've seen it going on for like a minute. It was going on until I was able to kill it, and it took me about three minutes. Wow. I I took my cutting board and I was running around the kitchen trying to smack it with my cutting board because I didn't really have anything else at the moment to get it with. So this place is really is like the Skinwalker Ranch of the midwest literally because and the other thing with skinwalker ranch is the stuff it's always something different that's going on and i feel like there's always something a little bit different going on like outside of the paranormal activity which seems to be kind of repetitive mm-hmm. everything else seems to be like a different thing going on whether it's man. the centipede or the the moth or i know man your your possum creature so anyways that that's my uh first mysterious place at your house dude i agree i i do like there's a lot more we could get into it with us. We gotta look into the history of the house a little bit. We do because your father owned it for a while before you moved in, didn't he? Yes. So we gotta do some research on this. This could be this house actually has the original blueprints. No shit. You don't see that very often. Yeah. I, I got it in my back room over there. Yeah. One it's got of these the original days, blueprints. It's pretty cool. One of these days we're gonna have to do a little bit of investigation on this. Yeah. We should do. We should do a ghost hunt here. Yeah. Why not? Get Tim on board. Could easily do it. Yeah. With the mics, we could have the mic set up in strategic areas. Yeah, easily. Anyways, that's my first place. I thought that was a pretty good one. That was good. That was good. Anyways, what else you got? This one's quick. Have you ever heard of the Eye of the Sahara or the Eye of Africa? I feel like I had to have, but I can't identify anything with it. So so it's also known as the Richat. I think that's how you say it. Richat structure. Okay. So it's a geologic swirl or like dome, and it contains rock that predate the appearance of life on Earth. Really old. It's wow. Really, okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of, so basically this thing, if you look at it from space, and actually astronauts use it as a marker on Earth, it looks like a bullseye, and there's a bunch of like rings made out of rock, and it, and it creates like a bullseye looking thing. And it's about 30, I think it's like 30 miles wide. It's pretty big. And what people think... 30 miles wide? Yes, it's huge. Now, some people believe it to be a massive crater from a meteorite that hit the Earth sure. a long time ago, but there are a lot of different theories about what this is. So there's a really cool episode of Joe Rogan with a guy named Jimmy Carsetti. I've heard that name before. He goes into a theory about the Eye of the Sahara, how it's possibly the lost city of Atlantis, because the way Plato describes the city of Atlantis yep. is almost like spot on to this area. Now... The Sahara looked very different like 11,000 or 12,000 years ago. It exactly. Was, or actually is 
early as 5,000 years ago that it was all greenery. Yes. And there were lakes and everything. And just the way Plato describes Atlantis, this place damn near matches up to it. The way the rings are around the city and how it was just, it's just, it's pretty, it's pretty spot on. And Jimmy Carsetti makes an argument about it. That is pretty interesting. And I haven't heard, I can't remember for sure hearing that one in relation to Atlantis. Mm -hmm. But people forget that Atlantis, all we know about it is from Plato. It's, he writes it about it in Timaeus and Critias or whatever. It's a couple of his old, I don't even have them. There's a couple of his old writings. Uh, apparently, Plato heard it from somebody else. Uh, he, he doesn't even have the real account of uh, Atlantis. Yeah, and the other thing, too, with Plato is everything that he writes about, or most of the stuff that he writes about is stuff that he's recounting from people that he's heard it from. Yeah. Socrates, obviously, is the big one. Mm-hmm. And Socrates never wrote, but he talked to Plato, and Plato wrote it all down. What Jimmy Carsetti was saying when he he actually went there, and he was saying there's so much, there's a lot of sign signs of that this was like an ocean at one point. It, it had water, which sure matches up to what Plato was saying. Yeah, and if you look at pictures, all the white shit that's like salt. So okay. that, that's just like another piece of evidence that there was definitely an ocean here or around this area at some point. The way you, you have to look at the pic, you have to look up a picture of it. It's really yeah, cool. I'm gonna have it's to pretty do that. cool looking. Uh, we might have to get a picture up even on our social media for this one. Yeah, definitely. But because it's called Eye of the Sahara. This one is really interesting. Like It's going to kind of play into my next one a little bit, which is cool. But, uh, well, even if you think about like, the biblical account of the Great Flood, mm-hmm. there's a lot of geologic evidence pointing to a Great Flood at some point. Now, most of them point to a ice cap shift that brought the ocean levels up really high, mm-hmm. as opposed to it being just a big rainstorm. Well, there, there, there points to some catastrophic event. Yes. What was it? Like twelve thousand years ago, eleven thousand six hundred. They call it the Hunger Dryas. Is that how you say something? It? It's funny you say eleven thousand six hundred years because the next thing I'm going to talk about dates back to eleven thousand six hundred years. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> Seriously, let's, let's do it. Oh, is it? Uh, are we doing it? Let's do it. Gobekli Tepe. Yeah, that was uh, huge. Discoveries were made there. Do you have this one down? No. Okay. But I've heard a lot about it from like Graham Hancock yep. and other guys. Now, what's funny about Gobekli Tepe is I was talking to Timothy about it yesterday. I was at my parents' house for a little bit, and I was just telling Tim about it. My mother overheard the conversation, and she's been watching a show on Netflix. I think it's called The Gift, which is set in Turkey, which this ruin is featured on that show. And she didn't realize that it was a real place. <laughs> so she was like, what? That place is real? And I watched a little bit of the show just kind of get an idea of what was going on, and yep, it is a real place. Mm-hmm. Now, Gobekli Tepe, G O B. E-K-L-I-T-E-P-E is how that's spelled. It is a megalithic structure in southeastern Turkey. So megalithic means large and made of stone. Mm -hmm. So the most prominent one is obviously Stonehenge is the most prominent megalithic structure. Now, Gobekli Tepe is kind of sort of like if you look at pictures of it, it's like Stonehenge in the desert, but like more complicated Mm -hmm. is the best way to describe a picture of it. It is situated near the top of like a range of hills. So it's like like high up in the ground and it's a complex of circular structures built into the hilltop featuring large t-shaped pillars so that's the pillars are in the shape of a t so it kind of looks like stonehenge but it's circular like stonehenge is except there's a lot of circles and there's just a lot going on there's like a lot more going on with this now what's ridiculous about this one is it dates back to about 9500 bc 
And Graham Hancock uses the exact date of 11,600 years ago when he talks about it on the Joe Rogan show. So they're saying 95, 9,600 BC is what they think they have a date of that, which is ridiculous because that is 5,000 years earlier than the oldest known civilization, yeah. which is Sumeria or Sumer, mm-hmm. the Sumerians. From what I've heard about this place, it was probably some of the biggest breakthroughs as far as archaeological finds and the proof of a catastrophic event that almost wiped out a lot of shit. Sure, and there is a lot of that going on with this place, but we got to think about it for a second. So the official account of the Great Pyramids being built is like 2500 B.C., so that would be 4,500 years ago. Now, I don't agree with that one. I think they were older than that, and they're basing everything on Herodotus, which we talked about this earlier on the show, where Herodotus just heard a story, and I actually went back and I read what Herodotus wrote, and it was just him like recounting some bullshit story that he heard somewhere mm-hmm. about the Great Pyramids. And that's what all of history has been based on since then. Because they can't really, they don't really have proof for the Great Pyramids. Now, one thing, I hate to cut you off. Uh-oh. But there's always that mystery around how are the Great Pyramids built. Which we need to do an entire episode on this soon. I think that, I think that they had, they that they saved the plans of how they built it. But it could have been destroyed from the fire of the the. Library of Alexander. Yeah, I think we even talked about that at one point. But it wouldn't surprise me. But it continue. would not surprise me. Anyways. Sorry. So we're going to say that's 4,500 years ago. The Great Pyramids were built between today. This would have been dated back farther in history in relation to them than the Great Pyramids are in relation to us. I think, that's, how, I think that's exactly how Joe Rogan broke it down on the show when he was talking about it. Yeah. So you've got to go back so fucking far in history to... F- learn about this type of thing or to find the people that built it right now the problem with this is a structure dated that far back blows up a lot that we understand about civilization because you have to be organized as a group of people to build this this can't just be you have to have some type of ancient technology exactly do this especially where it is and the complexity of what it features i mean the rocks are huge it's not quite as big as stonehenge but some of these are like 20 feet tall some of these rocks right or stones. According to conventional anthropology, Sumer is the oldest civilization, which is 5,000 years more recent than these. the structure at Globekli Tepe was built. So somehow, someway, people built this back then. The archaeological consensus right now, the mainstream consensus, is that it was still hunter-gatherers that built this, for reasons unknown. Mm-hmm. It's just what they're going with. And right. they're like, well, we don't think that it was inhabited by, it wasn't a stru- living quarters. It was like a temple or a worship. They just can't give up the narrative, man. And it's like, how the hell do hunter-gatherers get together and have this idea and work on it over centuries? Because it would have taken a long-ass time to build this thing. And what they've uncovered is such a small part of what's actually there. And they only know what's there based on ground-penetrating radar. But it is absolute absurdity how complicated the structure is. Now, to add to this all, it was purposely reburied. It It wasn't just lost to time. The people that built it or were using it at one point in history buried it on purpose. It wasn't like the sands of time took it over or something. Right. They abandoned it and buried it. How do they bury it? I don't. Well, just with sand, basically. Yeah, but how do, you, like, how do you? I don't. How know. do you move sand like that? I don't know. I'm, how not, do you a, move? I'm not an archaeologist. <laughs> they had a, maybe they had like an ancient Tonka truck or an ancient like, bulldozer or something. At this place, didn't they find? I might be thinking of something else, but didn't they find like a lot of underground, basically cities? Because they, 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 they find these in a lot of ancient they find civilizations. These everywhere. Like, even, like, I was reading about, even at the Great Pyramids, there's 
there's shit going on underneath Cairo that they don't talk about. Like, like these, tunnels and shit. Like these, like people, like they built like cities underground. It's ridiculous. Like they found out how to grow shit underground. Like it's, it's absolutely insane. See, I, I didn't get into any of that with this place. But I was watching the Joe Rogan interview because he does one that's like four years old with Graham Hancock. Then he has this guy on named Michael Shermer who's like, his anointed himself like the skeptic of skeptics. Mm-hmm. And his arguments are terrible. He's like, well, I guess we didn't know as much about hunter-gatherers as we thought we did. <laughs> is his argument. But Graham Hancock, he's smart, but he does not debate well. Sure. He doesn't, he, he, he's, he's nice. Well, he is nice, but he's also, he's got some theories that are out there that he holds too tough to. And the one thing that this Michael Shimmer guy was saying is like, well, where is the evidence of civilization? Where's the tools? Where's the trash? Where's the whatever? And Graham Hackett was like, well, maybe they just didn't need it. Maybe they didn't need written language. Where he should really be arguing, maybe they clean up after themselves. Yes. That's the that's the point that needs to be made. That's what he needs to be arguing, but he's not doing that. Because think about it this yeah, way. Yeah, he, he was like, maybe they didn't have plastic. Maybe they didn't need to make plastic. Or, or, or metal or, or whatever. Or metal or yeah. shit like that, yeah. And it's like, the, a stronger argument would be they just cleaned up and they left the structure. Because think about it this way. If you were to abandon your house, like you were planning to move, you wouldn't just leave garbage bags full of shit. Right. More than likely. More than likely. Especially right. at a site that like this. Like, could you imagine, like, the White House decides to relocate and there's just, like, garbage bags in the White <laughs> House or something like that? Right. So, that's the argument that needs to be made. And I don't understand why Graham Hancock doesn't utilize that one, because that's a lot tougher to argue with. Right. Like, hey, they're really sophisticated to build this type of thing. Maybe they're sophisticated enough to clean up after themselves. And that makes more sense. Maybe they planned to move as opposed to just moving because of a disaster. Because everybody assumes that every civilization is lost because of a disaster and they just up and left. But there are plenty of situations where... Migration is gradual, like you're planning to move. Yeah, you know, humans have been extremely adaptive over time, and we adapt to basically everything. So maybe there was some type of climate situation they needed to move. Exactly, and that would have been also that could have been a very gradual thing that couldn't that didn't necessarily have to be an overnight yeah. thing. Yeah, definitely. And then the other thing, real quick, is that there are like animal carvings on these statues or on on the on the pillars of themselves, and the animals are from like all over the world. They're not, they, crazy. You, you can't figure out like what culture could have even built this because none of it fits. At one point they were saying that the Australian Aborigines were the culture that must have built it because they had most of their symbology matched up with what was found on the structure. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's a lot of symbolism being used there that is only other also found in Aborigines in Australia. That's crazy. So, well, don't they say that they find uh, Australian shit in the Americas too? I haven't heard that one, but it wouldn't surprise me. Or they're just South America. No, no, it was the Amazon. Really? Because they were trying to figure out how they would get there, and Graham Hancock was talking about a theory how uh, they could possibly cross the ocean at one point. Yeah. But the skeptics say nobody would have been able at that time to be able to travel across that amount of you know space, distance. And Graham Hancock was like, well, no, you know. There's so much. They, they had to have, you know. There's so much. I think we underestimate the ancients. We underestimate a lot, and I think we need to do a lot better job with that. That's also why I can't take anthropology seriously as a study. It's because of this. It's because these people just don't ask the right questions. I, I want to get Hancock's latest book. He did. I think it's called like Before America or something okay. like that. Yeah. I can't remember, but it basically, it's basically all on what they talk about in the Joe Rogan, the latest Joe Rogan episode. But you should definitely – you need to – it's one of the more recent ones, the Jimmy Carsetti episode. Okay, I'll have to check that one you out. You should definitely watch that one. I plan to. Interesting. Anyways, what else you got? It's probably my last big one. 
This is another island, the Barça Kelmis Island. You ever heard of this one? Can't say that I have. I think I said that correctly. Now, this was once an island in the Aral Sea. Due to natural changes with the climate and everything, there's no water left. So basically, it's like a big plateau, but they still call it, locals there still call it an island. Now, where, where is this? Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan? Kazakhstan. Uh, that's, is, the, is the other K silent? Yeah, Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan, okay. That's where Borat is from. <laughs> <laughs> now, nobody's living on the island, but the Barsakelmus translate from the Turkic language, and this that literally means who goes there will not return. So this is another no return sure. type shit. Now, people have obviously returned off the island. But weird shit happens to people after they get off this island. So uh, it was now it was apparently owned by the Soviet Union at the time, and in 1929 the island was being used for like farming and shit. But ten years later, the whole island was turned into a national reserve. Now they were saying that they they used the reserve to like support some breed of wild donkey that was brought to the area. But a lot of people think that this was bullshit because. It was impossible to get to the reserve. Like, they basically had it closed. Sure. Like, to the public. Nobody can go there when it should have been open. Yeah. Now, many believe that the Soviets were doing some secret shit in this area because nobody nobody knows, and they had it controlled and basically closed for most of the late part of the 20th century. Locals believe it to be a very mysterious place. Now, nobody lives on it anymore. I don't, obviously, Soviet Union's gone. Sure. So they don't own it anymore. But nobody lives on the island. Nobody really goes there. But there is a bunch of legends that apparently have happened there. And described in a book called The Heart of Asia, this guy named uh, Rorich. This guy, he went with a group of people to the island. And they thought they had been on the island for uh, only a couple of years. I guess they stayed and lived on the island. Uh, but when they returned home from the island, they re- it was like two, three decades. What? Yeah, it's ridiculous. And some say that they've seen UFOs, and um, others claim that when you go there, it seems like time basically stops. How big is this place? Do you have any idea? Not crazy huge, but it's the biggest island in that area, though. Sure. So it, it, it's pretty big. Now, there are there have been real cases of people that have stayed at the island overnight. Their skin turns blue. Now, that has been recorded and confirmed. reported. Confirmed, wow. yes. And there's a graveyard, apparently, on the island. And it's strange that some of the graves are relatively new, so, but nobody knows who was buried there. And, like, who gets buried on an abandoned island? Like, who who buries you? Who's able to bury you? I don't know. This is one of the weirdest things I've ever it's, heard it's, about. It's at, yeah, dude, it's it's pretty wild, this place. A lot of, just a lot of weird, crazy shit happens on it. Uh, can you spell that for our listeners, please? B-A-R-S-A-K-E-L-M-E-S. Okay, thank you. Yeah, man, crazy shit. So people, apparently, if you stay overnight there, your skin turns blue. A bunch of paranormal-type shit happening there. People claim to see UFOs. Apparently, the Soviets ran it for a while, and people think that they were doing secret research there. Or they could maybe, be doing God knows what. Maybe military operations there. Yeah. Or whatever, but... It's like the yeah. Skinwalker Ranch of Kazakhstan, basically. But I want to look into this guy's into this guy's book that went to this island sure. for apparently a year, and they come back, and it's like three decades later. What, yeah. that, what the hell happened? How the hell does that happen? <laughs> I wonder if maybe they were using it for like secret technology to test secret technology on unsuspecting people, which is kind of sort of what I think is going on with Skinwalker Ranch to an extent. I think that the military is using that ranch as a way to test shit on civilians without telling them that 
it's they're being tested on. Mm. I was just kind of thinking about that, and it wouldn't surprise me. Now, obviously, that would be a black budget program if there ever was one. Maybe this is what's going on in it's possible. Kazakhstan. It's possible. Now, Kazakhstan was obviously a big part of the Soviet Union for a while. Have you ever looked at the map? Kazakhstan's a huge ass. Yeah, country. it's huge. And that was a big part of the Soviet Union, and obviously it's been independent since the fall, so 91, 92, mm-hmm. or something like that. But that's a really interesting one. i got to look up that one, too. Definitely, you should. i got to look up all yours. All yours have been interesting today. Now, I'm going to skip one, but i got one more I want to get into real quick. This is another one that could be worth an entire episode, I think. We've discussed this one in bits and pieces before. But it's a very mysterious place as far as I'm concerned. The Vatican. Yes. Now, the archives. Well, everything going on with it, to be honest. Real quick. Oh. Before you start, can I can I add something real quick? Sure. Along with the theory of the plans of how they built the pyramids getting burned. Yep. I think cuz uh wasn't what the hell is his name? Graham Hancock. Constantine. Yes. Wasn't he wasn't he in charge at the time that that happened? <laughs> Graham Hancock. No, Constantine. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I think somebody is some. I, I honestly don't remember who was in charge at the time, but I feel like it was Constantine. You okay. were right about that. I feel like he was smart enough to understand uh, some of the important shit that was in that library. I feel like he could have gotten it out, and now those plans of how they built the pyramids are in the Vatican archives. That's interesting. Now we did fuck up because that wasn't Constantine is the guy I'm going to be talking about in this discussion. God damn it! I'm sorry, but it's not the guy you were you were trying to talk about. You were trying to talk about Julius Caesar. Caesar, that's right. Sorry, <laughs> I got I got it all mixed it, up. It's okay. Caesar, yes. Caesar was BC. Yes. Constantine sorry. was the fourth century at a Domini. Anyway, so the Vatican. Now this has been like the headquarters of the Catholic Church, and legend puts it back to Saint Peter dying in a place called the Vatican, which is in the middle of Rome. Really. We don't know. Now, it wasn't until the 4th century when Constantine I basically commissioned the old Basilica of St. Peter's, which stood until the 16th century. So this was like a 1,400-year-old church for a while. So that was really when the Vatican kind of took over as like the headquarters of the Catholic Church, but not really, but kind of, sort of. But that's been like, it's the same site where the new Basilica stands today. So that's been since the 4th century when Constantine commissioned it. Now, Constantine also commissioned something called the Council of Nicaea, which was where we get the Nicene Creed and Catholicism and all that stuff. And basically... Basically, they established what Christianity was going to be as a religion going forward. Ousted the Gnostic Gospels. Yes, and I'm going to get into that for just a second. But people don't know enough about the Council of Nicaea itself because there were tons of different factions of Christians with tons of very different belief systems. And it was pretty much like... Congress today, like getting together and trying to put together a big ass bill, there was so much that was just like negotiated and cut out of. And it, it's ridiculous. And it, it, it's almost like every different denomination, if you will, had like a different perspective on Jesus' life that they wanted to portray. Exactly. Everything was different. Like at one point, it was up for negotiation as to whether or not Jesus was God or not. I know. Like it's, seriously, it's that was like part, and they they negotiated that in, <laughs> and they weren't going to go with it for the longest time. But they realized that it was going to be easier to make it all tie together, basically. It's ridiculous. If they went with that, so it is. It is ridiculous to when you actually read the history. Now, I'd always grown up with a Catholic history where it's like the greatest thing of all time, and it's like they were inspired by the Holy Spirit and everything to make it happen. But when you read the actual history, it's like it's like watching Nancy Pelosi and uh, Mitch, uh, Mitch Mitch McConnell. It's like watching them go at it, basically. Right. It's funny. So, anyways, but what happens with that is people had text and stuff 
and just material to try to prove their point. All this existed, and obviously the Gnostic Gospels are a big part of that. Once they established what they were going to go with, they wanted to get rid of everything else. Now, they didn't necessarily just destroy everything outright, even though they did a lot of that. But that creates the need for a secret archive. Say mm-hmm. you want to save some of the shit, even though you're not using it. Right. You kind of want to keep it on file anyways. So I, to me, that that is an easy reason to for the Vatican to have their secret archive in the first place. I agree. Now, the Vatican dominated until about the Reformation, really. It dominated the Western world, almost. Even the oh, Spanish yeah. Inquisition after the Reformation, that was a big-ass, it was the biggest force in the Western world, I'd argue, up until the Reformation, really. Because obviously there were different kings and whatever, but they all kind of kept fealty with the Pope. So if you have that much reign over what's going on, obviously you're controlling the narrative for a thousand years almost. There's a lot of stuff out there that had to have been taken away or confiscated or whatever. And the Vatican obviously recognizes that they have a secret archive. And it was called the Secret Archive until 2019 where they decided to change the name about it. (laughs) So if you have a secret archive like that, there's obviously stuff in there they don't want you to know about. 100%. So the question is, well, what's actually in there? And obviously I think old scriptures in there, scripture that got cut out of Catholicism was probably in there. We'll have to ask Robert Langdon. Yeah, definitely. He was there. He was in the Vatican secret archives. And he destroyed a lot of it. Exactly. (laughs) Now, there's one thing that's in there, supposedly, called a chronovisor, which is, I don't even know if it's real or not. I don't think it's real. It's basically like a portal, like like a it's like a, it's like a device, like a portal device. Mm-hmm. And this was supposedly created in the 1950s. And there's a guy out there that claims that he was watching it. And it's like a it's like a it's like a computer or something where you put your eye up to like the goggles, and you twist the dial or something. And it's a time machine, but it uses electromagnetic radiation from past events, and it's able to filter it so you can watch a past event through the chronovisor if you know the location of it and you know the time you want to watch it. That's, and supposedly it uses electromagnetic radiation that's left over from a from an event. That's crazy you bring that up because literally in a Joe Rogan episode, he predicts that technology will be able to do this in the future to where we can watch past events. Yeah, and I even read a book about it back as a kid <laughs> where there was something kind of like this going on. Hmm, crazy. Supposedly the chronovisor, or at least the parts of it, are in the Vatican secret archives. And there is one guy out there that claims that he used it. Now... This next thing is one of the scariest, if this thing is real, this is a book. It's one of the scariest items that I think could possibly exist. It's called the Grand Grimoire, which is a 16th century book written by a guy named Honorius of Thebes. And it's like it's like a spell book, basically. It includes all sorts of spells and like magic and shit and occult Witch, shit. Witchcraft shit. And supposedly it includes instructions as to how to summon demons and even the devil himself. Apparently there's instructions in this book as to a spell that you can cast that would make the entire world just snap out of existence. Wow. And this is rumored to exist. And it's date back to the 16th century, like a medieval spell book. Now, there were people out there doing a lot of occult shit back then. Nobody knows if it actually exists or not, but there are copies of it out there, supposedly. How authentic the copies are, we don't know. The problem with this book is the Vatican officially recognizes that, number one, it exists... And number two, they have it in their secret archives. Great. So this spellbook <laughs> supposedly exists, and according to official Catholic record in the Vatican, yes, it exists, and they got it. Well, luckily they haven't, you know, put us out of existence. Yeah. Well, shit, that might be common. Yeah, you never know. 
there's all sorts of rumors as to what's going on in the Vatican. Like, apparently they have alien bodies in there, too. There's all sorts of stuff going on. But it is one, to me, it's one of the most mysterious places out there. I've always wanted to go visit the Vatican. That would be, if I could, yeah, that would 100%. Like, you have to spend a month there to really go yeah. through everything. But but if I could get into those secret archives, I would I would sacrifice quite a bit to do that. I'm not even going <laughs> to lie. Anyways, what else you got with this episode? I have one more really quick one. I okay. thought I thought this was kind of crazy. Kadini, the village of twins in India. You ever hear of this place? Actually, yes, I have. So this is a small village in Kerala, situated about 35 kilometers from Calicut. Around 2,000 families live in this small Indian village, and almost every family has a pair of twins. The village is renowned for its inexplicable number of twin births since 1949. Ever since then, the number has gone tremendously up with each passing year. As per current records, there are 200 twins. No doctor or scientist has been able to solve this. No one knows how this is happening. There's got to be a reason. It's got to be something with, uh, but it's, it's it, got to be exposed to something that's making this happen. It's odd that, because normally twins skip a couple generations. They're having know. it like every generation. Yeah, that is kind of weird. I was supposedly supposed to be a twin. There's got to be, there's got to just be some, like, but since 1949, that I, wonder, is weird. I, wonder, I wonder if that, hmm. What could have happened in 1949 outside of like a massive dietary change? Maybe they started eating something different. But what would trigger that? I can't figure out. Well, I'm not a doctor either, so. Right. This could be aliens. Probably. They could have ran an experiment on, what, on you know, on these people and they're seeing what happens. You know, I'm running through all the options in my head right now. That's the best I got, so. <laughs> We're going to say aliens, most likely, for this one. Sure, we'll look into it. We will look into it. Anyways, that's, you got anything else for this one? That's basically all I got for this one. I was going to do one more about, I'm just going to talk about it briefly. Sure. Stall Cemetery in Kansas, I don't know if you've heard of this one. Hmm. Uh, but it's just like a weird-ass cemetery that supposedly is the home of the devil, and it's like one of the seven gates of hell. And like apparently on Halloween and on the summer, or on the, the, summer, the spring equinox, the devil comes to the cemetery and hangs out. Now, this place has been, like, off-limits since the 70s. Like, the cops had to lock it down completely. No shit. It's a, it's a creepy little cemetery. It's just out in the middle of nowhere. Like, ass in a nowhere, Kansas. Are there any accounts of seeing the devil hang out? Yeah. Supposedly. Like, Ariana Grande went there and claims that she was fighting demons the entire time. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. And the I'm, rumor, I'm... and there's no evidence for this one, but the rumor is that back in the 1990s, uh, Pope John Paul II was flying to, the, like, the West Coast or something, and the flight was supposed to take him over that part of Kansas and he made the plane redirect around it hmm. because he claimed that the place was evil. Now, that's just a rumor. I don't know if that actually happened or not. That's interesting. But it is just kind of a creepy, weird little cemetery. And the pose, supposedly there's a witch buried there. Hmm. And the one grave has the word W-I-T-T-I-C-H is the name of the person, hmm. which would be like Wittich or something. Hmm. That's interesting. We should go check that place out. Yeah, except we. I guess if you... If you actually go in, you're gonna get arrested, like on the spot. They got like the sheriff patrols it pretty heavily. Like, could we like observe it from? You could probably distance? drive past. But apparently, you can't go in. Anyways, that's all I got for this episode. I had a whole lot more that I could have done, but there's a lot out there. There's a ton out there, and I think I got. I think the important one was to go back to Lee Tepe. I'm happy we were able to talk. Yeah, about that, that was because awesome. I've yeah. been waiting to talk about that. I've been trying to figure out a good place to squeeze this one in because there's a lot going on with that place just in and of itself, and all your places were really interesting. Like, I haven't heard of, like, kind of heard of them, but there's a lot going on with that shit. The, I've seen this one, the one in Kenya, 
But yeah. I've, I've never heard of this one. Yeah, the, the Barca Kelbis. I think that's how you say it. That one was a weird one for sure. Definitely. Anyways, I think that's probably enough for this week. I'd say listeners so. have been pretty good. Uh, we're getting like we're getting like three dozen people every single week. That's awesome. Like unique, unique listens, like unique listeners. So because mm-hmm. a lot of people doing it. Uh, shout out to Tim. He's been like our number one fan. He's been <laughs> listening to like, every episode and giving us a lot of good feedback. And he says he's really, really, he's been enjoying it the entire time. But he's been really liking it. Awesome. Thank and you, Tim. Thanks to my mother too, because she's been like telling people about it. So she's been helping us get some listeners. So thank you, mother. Awesome. For helping us out. We still need to bring your mom on for a Harry mm, Potter episode. No, we don't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, that's all I got for this week. So you got anything else? That's it from me. Uh, please check us out on Facebook. Please check us out on Twitter, at 30 in the Tweet us. Tweet us, at 30 in the if you've ever been to any of these mysterious places. Yes, and if you know of any more mysterious places that we need to talk about, please tweet us, at 30 in the and let us know. Comment on our Facebook page. Comment on our Facebook page. we got to start getting back into posting it on Facebook. Yeah, definitely, and the news stories. Yeah. I was going to do that for the last one, but I forgot about it. Yeah. Anyways, we thank you guys for listening. So Peace. But it was really funny. She hit her head on the carrier today. And oh, she Lord. had the biggest goose egg right in the middle of her forehead. It was like this big. Oh, my God. And it's protruding out so far. Like a unicorn. Dude, she looked just like a unicorn. I was like, you might need to get that looked at. Like, that, oh, shit. But wow. a, bump, a bump is a good sign, though. You want a, good, you want a bump. You want a bump? If, you have, if, if, it's like, if you hit your head and it's caved in, you need to go to the hospital. But yeah. if you have a bump, that's a good thing. Is it? Yes. I'm not a medical doctor, so. Me neither. I don't know any of this That's shit. just what my daddy has told me ah, since gotcha. I've been a young kid. So I believe it to be true. Understood. Anyways. Caesar. Yes. Caesar was B.C. Yes. Constantine Sorry. was the 4th century Atta Domini. Addis Dom AD. I don't know what the hell it means. It's like Adias Domina or Domine. Something like that. Anyway, so the Vatican. Where uh, basically it's a cemetery out in the middle of nowhere in Kansas. Are you good? I got the chills. Oh, God. I'm good. I I I just had a pee come on, but then it went away. You ever get a pee and then you get like that quick chill? Then it goes away. Then it goes away. Then it comes back like hardcore five it, minutes it later. It comes back hardcore, but we'll be done in, in pretty soon. Yeah.